Now in our studio is uh, the uh, one of the co-hosts for Public Policy this week, a longtime contributor to KYMN, Bruce Moreland. Bruce, good morning. Good morning. Thank How you. are we doing this morning? We are doing just okay. <laughs> just okay. As soon as the uh, climate changes, <laughs> we'll be doing better. We'll be no, doing just, better, uh, huh? Yeah, we, boy, after a lot of snow over the weekend, doing okay. But uh, you're here to talk about uh, a recent uh, lobbying uh, trip you took to Washington, D.C. That is part of the Citizens Climate Lobby. Right. Why don't we start off getting a little background for those unfamiliar with the Citizens Climate Lobby. Who are you? Who, who, are you? Yeah. <laughs> who is the group and what do they do? Okay, Citizens Climate Lobby formed several, well, probably in the 2000s in the aughts. Um, and it's a organization that uh, their original mission was to push a climate-adjusting carbon fee and dividend. And it was, it's a very conservative-friendly, and that's one of the reasons they were pushing on that, was they wanted something that was bipartisan. They're very interested in being bipartisan. And uh, they've been organizing, you know, they've grown from 300 at one of their early conferences uh, all the way up to where we get about 1,200 people, as many as 1,200 people in Washington out of the 200,000 or 220,000 plus volunteers that we have. And we're all volunteers. There's a tiny staff way overworked, if you can imagine, because what they organize is twice a year they organize a lobby meeting. And they are a combination of 501c3, which is the not-for-profit, non-profit, and you can contribute to. But they also have a 50c4, which is a political arm. And that you, if you give donations to that, it's not tax-deductible. But what they do is they take these volunteers and they train them in the, what we call the Citizens Climate Lobby way, the CCL way. And that's that we are polite. We always are thanking our representatives for their service, what they're doing for us. Uh, we always acknowledge that they've done something that we can cheer about. So sometimes we cheer about what you know, farm bills or whatever they've done that talks to our constituents because we're kind of organized by by uh, congressional district. So we <clears throat> we go in trained in how to lobby politely, and uh, our main issue is a carbon fee and dividend with a border adjustment. And that's why you get people like me in there, because as a Republican, and I'm still a Republican, I know it's hard to believe in this day and age that there are any of us around on, working on climate change, but there are. And that's one of the things we learn a lot about when we're in Washington. But the carbon fee and dividend works like this. You charge the fossil fuel companies at the mine, at the oil well, and at the uh, natural gas tap for how much carbon they're bringing out, to, you know, that will go into the atmosphere. And it's a simple tax. About twelve to 1,500 companies have to write a check. And those are big checks, uh, but not that big. But then you turn around, and instead of keeping that money and growing government, which is an anti-Republican idea, uh, instead of doing that, we give the money back to the people. And I love the fact that the CCL variant of this doesn't ask how much money you made before they give you your money. So I get the same check that Bill Gates does. Now, if I'm like me, that check is, is significant. I get to spend it on maybe better health care or I get to upgrade my food to some nice locally grown stuff. Uh, Bill Gates probably wouldn't even walk down to the post bank, you know, <laughs> post office to get his check. But that's okay. 
it balances out. It's one of the really neat things. I have a, my conservative argument is always, if you're going to run government like a business, then you ought to pay a dividend and everybody gets the same check because we're all equally participating in the government. And the other thing that I like about it is it's kind of self-correcting for the uh, progressive side because poor people, that's a big chunk, not a big chunk, but it's a significant chunk of change. And they'll feel that significance when they're out spending that money. And But rich people, it's the same chunk of change, and it just won't affect them as much. So it's it's very liberating in that I'm not coming in, knocking on your door and saying, get rid of that gas stove, get rid of this, get rid of that, buy an electric vehicle. I'm not mandating things. I'm just letting the market forces drive you to make those right choices. Uh, once again, Bruce Moreland is with us. We're talking about the Citizens Climate Lobby. Let's talk about uh, your trip to Washington, D.C. Not your first one with the, the CCL. Uh, you've been there a few times. Talk about what, what, what you talked about this time and what you've noticed. I mean, have things changed very much over the course? How long have you been involved in this now? Well, I've been involved since uh, 2014, I think. Okay. So I joined then and went to lobby in 2015. Is the message still the same? Have things changed at all over the course of the last, well, eight years since uh, 2015? That's a really good question. Um, I've seen the, the organization go from having to spend a lot of energy explaining their carbon fee and dividend idea to being able to walk in. And, you know, initially we had to do a lot of explaining. And uh, it was fun for me because I'm a scientist type. So I would go in and explain the science of global warming. But now we don't even hardly touch on that. Our message has shifted much over, more over toward well, what's going on in the, in the fringes. So we kind of come in saying we'd really like a carbon fee and dividend with a border adjustment. And I didn't get to explain the border adjustment. So I'll come back to that later. Okay. But anyway, we go in and we explain that. But everybody has a pretty good understanding of that. So now we can focus on side issues, the side bills. And we've actually expanded to where they now have – they're uh, very much in favor of agriculture solutions because a lot of the solutions to climate change come from ag. If uh, it's a combination of things like cover crops and best practices, all of which do two things for us. One, it does a better job of sequestering carbon. And fun for us is it also makes farming more profitable. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with a profit. At least for a conservative, we think profits are a part of nature and should be encouraged, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, so we kind of allow ourselves now to be more on uh, more distributed in what our support is for, which has helped us because a lot of times if you come into the office of a member of Congress and you say, I want, you know, X, you've got to think about what they need and kind of come to a, a cooperative you know, assessment of what you can do for each other. Uh, one of the things, I, I went up to visit um, Stauber in District 8, Minnesota's uh, representative, Pete Stauber, and he asked me when we went in his office, I had written an op-ed that got published in the Duluth News Tribune about uh, mining. And when I gave my personal story and it included the word nuclear, his eyes lit up and he said, well, I want to talk to you about nuclear power. And well, in those days, we were agnostic, which meant that we weren't really for or against. We just wanted the market to figure it out. But we have since switched to where we now understand that, as Jim Hansen told us in 2015 at a peace stock conference and nearly got trampled for having said it, nuclear has to be part of our solution. 
we need nuclear for baseload power. And you might, the listeners who listen to the climate show know that we talked about baseload power a lot when we were talking about renewables. So we've, the Citizens Climate Lobby has swung around to where we're now more open about talking about needing nuclear. And frankly, that's interesting because it's the liberals in the Citizens Climate Lobby who often have been conditioned to think that nuclear is evil. And it, I love this example because the liberals are afraid of nuclear for the same reason that the conservatives were afraid of doing something about climate change. There's a huge industry out there that makes money off of them by stoking their fear and selling them speakers and and by speakers I mean people that come to your luncheon and give a talk mm-hmm. uh, you know for a fee and uh, so there's a nuclear fear industry just like there was a climate fear industry a uh, climate change fear industry that w- would try and explain that we were going to use climate change to destroy the economy because we were going to try and put all these mandates in place. Uh, Once again, Bruce Moreland is our guest. We're talking about the Citizens Climate Lobby gathering in Washington, D.C. Question, kind of a fundamental question. If you you put the fee on the uh, energy companies when it comes out of the ground or wherever it comes from, give it back to the people, the people get more money. Is that that a reverse incentive uh, from what we would like to do or what the uh, climate, would that have pe- would people be more open to hey let's use a lot more gas we get a bigger check when we, when we uh at the end of the day reverse in- incentive uh probably not and here's okay. why because the reason you want to charge the oil companies and the coal companies is you want the price of the energy to go up a little bit and so things will be a little bit more expensive and it turns out that poor people don't spend as much on fuel and energy as rich people do. Mm-hmm. So the check more than covers what their increased costs are, and it doesn't cover the rich person who's flying a jet mm-hmm. all the time, doesn't cover their costs. So the the incentive is to have the market. Some of your listeners may remember the 70s when everybody suddenly got interested in Pintos. We didn't get interested in Pintos in Vegas because we like little cars. We got interested because they got better mileage. And they got better mileage, which was important because gas prices seemed to go through the roof. I mean, it went to a, almost a dollar a gallon. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. What a crisis. I remember the crisis. <laughs> well, my dad was a traveling you know, insurance salesman. He really noticed that all of a sudden it was a lot more expensive to go out to all those farms that he had to go to. Because that's where he made his living was going to farmers and g- giving them health care insurance and things like that. Uh, cause, so anyway... Yeah, that, that that change in the way you think about things is what the market incentives that let free people make choices. Uh, once again, Bruce Borland is our guest. I want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, the, the political aspect of it. As you had mentioned, we're, I think everybody's pretty much aware that the climate uh, climate action was a, uh, a point that uh, the Democratic Party really hammered on uh, traditionally over the last, course of the last maybe three decades or so. The Republicans have been a little more reluctant to do that. Uh, is it, is sh- it, of course, there is a shift in that. The more the science comes out, it's a slow shift. But where are we at on that shift right now? Are you, has, you know, the left, has, have the Democrats, uh, are they keeping on with the, the same message? Are the Republicans becoming more aware of some of this? Uh, what was the mood in Washington? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, we're getting older. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> frankly, the young people, are all over understanding climate change. But let's back up to the 1980s. When I was a staff officer, 
doing science. I, uh, I was involved in nuclear winter, and that was when I first got exposed to these large planetary-sized climate models. And that was where global warming was being investigated with those same climate models. And as we've moved forward, those models have gotten more sophisticated and more endemic into the way we think about things. Meanwhile, at that point in time, or roughly around then, the parties split on it in part because that's what they do. They basically, it's almost like they get into a smoky room and flip a coin to see who gets to be on which side. Because in the 80s, both parties wanted to do something about climate change. And then I guess the Republicans drew the short straw and had to go the wrong way. And it's been down that path ever since. But what we see in Congress now, there is a uh, Climate Solutions Caucus, or the Conservative Climate Solutions Caucus, headed up by Curtis. Uh, Utah. Uh, Representative Curtis started that. One of our very own, Pete Stauber from District 8, is on that committee, and they are about climate change solutions. A lot of the, the two of the organizations we heard from focus on young people, uh, the ACC and the Students for Carbon Dividend. Both of them kind of focus on the younger voters and try and give them a voice in the conservative circles because that's what you need. When I went, when I went and visited with uh, Joni Ernst, I had a chance to role model how CCL operates because she, Senator Ernst said she was you know, kind of frustrated that everybody was ranting and chanting because there was a big ranting and chanting going on that day. And there always is. When you go into the Capitol, there's almost always somebody ranting and chanting. And so I told her that, says, this is Climate Lobby, we're going to walk with you and we're going to talk with you, and we're going to open the door to new solutions in a very conservative, friendly way. And you, you talked a little bit about that, and she likes that. She and I connected because she's retired military, I'm retired military. So we had that immediate connection, and then we shared that story. So it was kind of fun. The, uh, the truth is that the conservatives are swinging around faster than I think the press and the people can keep up with that swing. So we have a lot of leadership but, the, the, you know, they're fighting a headwind because the, the, the nominal head of the party right now, even though his daughter tried to get him to listen to the climate change issue, uh, he just refused. And so we're still stuck that the leadership of the party is still tagging for those 70-year-old voters and kind of ignoring those 30-somethings. Uh, Bruce Moreland, once again, our guest. Bruce, um, let, let's talk about, you mentioned the media and the media yeah. cycle. We used to hear a lot about climate change. It seems like more in recent years, we haven't heard really as much. It hasn't been in the forefront of the media. You know, if it weren't for Bernie Sanders, we probably would have heard of it the last couple of years. Bernie who? <laughs> <laughs> but where, where's that at in the news cycle? Am I am I just reading like the wrong things or looking listening to the wrong news? No, uh, no. Is it still in the forefront or does it seem like that's getting pushed aside? I think part of what it is is it's been woven into the understory of the of the news cycle. So you'll hear about all the the tough weather and stuff, and they'll drop in. A, oh, by the way, this is an, you know this is something we expected from climate change. So it, it's kind of normalizing the conversation about climate change to be just part of the conversation rather than being the, the headliner. So your ability to be aware of it, I mean, if, if you led with, like in the 90s and in the aughts, you had to lead with a story that said climate change is, and you had to explain what it was. 
But now most people are familiar with the term and what's going on with it, so you can say as kind of the backstory uh, that the you know the tornado break outbreak that we just had as a result of the the way energy is flowing differently in the atmosphere. And I don't know if you are, you probably you probably have heard this. Most people have heard this idea that climate change or actually I always say global warming tells you whether you should have a uh, closet full of sweaters or a closet full of, you know, T-shirts. And weather is when you get up in the morning and decide whether to wear a T-shirt or a sweater, mm-hmm. right? So weather is what happens on a daily basis. I back out even further, though, and I say global warming is the math of what's going on, but climate change is the politics. And the politics has kind of settled down now. And like I said, we were agreed in the 80s that this was a problem we had to deal with. And I think we're getting back to that level of understanding. H.R. 1, which is the first bill that the Republicans submitted, includes a carbon fee and dividend. Now, that's good news for the citizens' climate lobby and for the people. But the bad news is those first, we were told, the first one to nine bills or one to, you know, the first ten maybe mm-hmm. that a new Congress submits are what are called signaling bills. So they put their important topics in there, and and they don't expect them to pass, especially when you have a Senate that's in the other party's hands. Mm -hmm. And a conservative likes a divided government to a certain extent because it forces more compromise. And what we have here in Minnesota, which they call the trifecta, is the worst possible scenario because then one echo chamber runs everything, whereas with a divided government, the, the two chambers have to talk to each other. The two parties have to mm-hmm. talk to each other, and that's the way we, we thought it should work. So, anyway. Uh, Bruce, we're just about out of time. you got 30 seconds to summarize. Anything else that we missed? <laughs> well, uh, 30 watch, seconds, really? 30 seconds, yeah. Watch very closely. You have Congress people who need your support, and the way you support them is by giving LTEs, and we, Citizens Climate Lobby would help you learn how to do that and help give you the you know a little bit of extra nudge that you might need. So come and join us because we will change this Congress one person at a time. And I appreciate the chance to talk about it. All right, Bruce, thank you so much for coming in. Bruce Moreland, once again with Citizens Climate Lobby, 95.1 FM and AM 1080, KYMN Northfield. Rich in two with local news. MNN is next. This news update is brought to you by Northfield Retirement Community. Rooted in Christian values, Northfield Retirement.